Revelation chapter 19 and Matthew chapter 3. Revelation chapter 19 and Matthew chapter 3. Really, this is a part two of this morning's message. This morning we looked at the book of life and the marriage of the Lamb. Let's continue on. Amen. Revelation chapter 19 verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage of the supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true saints of God. There is going to be a a marriage ceremony that's going to be taking place sometime after the rapture. I don't know if it's immediate or sometime after. I don't know. I would imagine it would be pretty soon. But then again, what's a million years in heaven? Right? Uh, right? Uh, Amen. Uh, But everyone who's put their trust in Jesus Christ will not only be there, but more importantly, be the bride. Amen. Brother Shine, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? Some people will say that the bride of Christ, the term is not in the Bible. And they would be absolutely correct. It's not in the Bible. But, but that doesn't mean it doesn't make it true. I know the, the, the word of God is truth. It's where we get all of our doctrine. I mean, there is pure. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. It's infallible. But the term exactly, bride of Christ, isn't in the Bible. But neither is rapture or, or the trinity, Right? Uh, 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 these are things that we, words that we use to, to describe biblical things or, or things that people use to talk about biblical things. Amen. I wouldn't say Calvinism is biblical. Um, but uh, <coughs> um, just because um, the, the word Trinity isn't found in the Bible, but yet we understand what we're talking about. We talk about the Trinity. We're talking about the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Just a different way to say we really are just shortening things. We're really good at that. You know, uh, we like to shorten things to make it uh, so, so we can literally ha- have to work less. I mean, we, we live in the generation where um, uh, we went from having to reach to turn the volume on in the car. So we just have to move our thumb. But now you can just speak it. <laughs> you know, we just like we just like to be lazy. That's just what it is. That's just in our nature. Amen. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 21, verse 9. Revelation chapter 21, verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And I know I'm piggybacking off this morning's message. There just wasn't enough time to get it in there. But who is the bridegroom? Jesus Christ. Who is the Lamb? Jesus Christ. Who is the bride, the lamb's wife? So there's nothing wrong with saying the bride of Christ. It's literally saying the same thing. You'd have to be on the legalistic side of life to really find issue with that. Amen. And that's fine. Uh, point number one this, this evening, John the Baptist saw 
the bridegroom. Turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. That's awesome. Not a lot of pages turn. I love that. I love having that behind me. That is so cool. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Jump over to John chapter 3, 28. John 3, 28. It says, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that, I, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. John the Baptist literally preached the coming of the bridegroom. John the Baptist had a very unique ministry, like Paul had a very unique ministry. God really used him in a real specific way for a specific time. Uh, uh, there's only a handful of people that I would dare say that God really used so specifically uh, uh, throughout Scripture, amen, not to diminish anybody's ministry in any capacity. Number one, John the Baptist saw the bridegroom. Number two, John the Apostle saw the bride. Go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. We'll be in Revelation pretty much the rest of the night. Amen. Revelation chapter 21. You know, the Waddells weren't here this morning. Do you guys mind if I go back to the beginning of this morning's message and work our way up? No? Okay. All right. <laughs> Goose had like a nervous smile on his face. <laughs> Amen. Number one, John the Baptist saw the groom, the bridegroom. Number two, John the Apostle saw the bride. Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And, and, and by the way, um, people that believe in the gap theory would struggle with this verse. Because John said the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. What would that mean that the coming earth... The new earth that's going to be is going to be the second one. But that's another message in and of itself. Verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Sometimes the justification and the trust that we put in something can be silly. Um, but we've committed to it. So now we're kind of stuck with something that sounds silly there are people good people that love the lord born again people that just serve the lord that they believe that the bride of christ is not the church it's not born again believers but it's new jerusalem itself a plot of ground dirt a piece of property even though that the book of Isaiah says that God is married to true Israel, even though that Paul says that born-again Christians are espoused to Christ in the book of Corinthians, although that Paul describes the relationship of the church uh, to Christ specifically as that of a marriage in all points in his letter to the Ephesians that we went over this morning, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that God's going to marry a piece of dirt. On the other hand, the Bible does say that he is married and will marry born-again Bible believers 
Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with me, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, now, let me just back up for a moment. John's seeing New Jerusalem coming down, and, and the city is adorned. The city itself is adorned as a bride for her husband. The city is decorated that way. But notice, he goes right from talking about, yeah, there's a city that goes right in talking about the people in the city. Let me continue, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. There shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And he shall be my, where am I? Son, amen. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Who will not be in Jerusalem? New Jerusalem. The unsaved will not be in New Jerusalem. Verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials for the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, let's just use logic for a moment. What has John seen already? He's seen New Jerusalem coming down, adorned as a bride, decorated beautifully. If we were to have a wedding in here, we'd decorate it like a marriage. Whatever that means, whatever the ladies would do, would be all pretty and stuff. But think about it. John's seen this and he's describing it. Now an angel's coming to John saying, hey, let me show you the lamb's wife. Well, wouldn't that be silly if you already saw New Jerusalem, if that was the lamb's wife? Wouldn't that be silly? The angel knows you're looking at it. Because New Jerusalem isn't the bride of Christ. Amen. Verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And you say, well, there you go. The first thing that you see was New Jerusalem. Therefore, Jesus marries a city. But let's, let's not just read that verse alone. Let's read the whole text. Verse 11. Having the glory of God in her light was like under a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high and had 12 gates, and the gates... Uh, and at the gates, twelve angels, and, and names written thereon, which were the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. We're going to see this one day. We're going to be in it. We're going to be living in it. Uh, verse 13, on the east uh, three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. If, if, if there is one word that could describe all this is typology, 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 all day long. God has always been about typology. Verse 15, and he talked with me, uh, and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the walls thereof. And, this, and the city lieth four square, 
and the length, uh, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth of the height of it are equal. Like a big old cube. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold, uh, like under clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third, whatever, chalcedony, and maybe close. The fourth, an emerald. The fifth, uh, sardonyx. Uh, the sixth, sardius. The seventh, uh, chrysolite. The eighth, uh, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, oh man, it's a hard word. The eleventh, uh, jacinth. The twelfth, amethyst. I can't even say that word. All the ladies know it. Amen. Uh, yeah, we all, I need to go to the jewelry shop a little more often. Verse 21, and the twelve gates were... Uh, Twelve pearls, and every every several gate was of one pearl. Now, just think about that. It didn't say it's made out of pearls. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Specifically, says every several gate was of one pearl. (laughs) Wow, wow. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine it, for, uh, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And here's the really important part. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise uh, enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But look at this. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So what's the purpose of New Jerusalem? It's literally made for the children of God. Past, present, and future. If you you have accepted Christ and what he's done for uh, you, amen, you will be there. Everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be there. And Christ, he's, he's made himself uh, ready through the work that he did on Calvary. And all we have to do is accept the free gift of salvation. You might say, but the angel described New Jerusalem before any mention of the saints that were in it. And I used this analogy once before, but I use it again. Imagine if, if, if I was like, Tony, come over. I was like, hey, Tony, let me introduce you to my beautiful bride. Check this out. We come up to the house, and as we're coming up to the, and remember, this is a written form, so I'm writing this descriptive for the reader. And then as I'm showing Tony, bringing her into the house, as I'm walking up to the house, I'm like, and we walked up to the house, and the house had gray siding on it with softball cracks from the kids, the football cracks and the vinyl siding. And there was moles in the grass, and there was there's American flag hanging, and there's a scripture sign in the yard, and it had black architectural shingles, and and, and the front door was uh, black that had a screen that came down halfway in the top. And then after I get done describing the house, somebody walk in, I'm like, and my bride is inside. That's what's happening here. The angel's like, hey, John, you want to see the bride? Let me show you. And then 
John's describing New Jerusalem as he's seeing everything. It then says everyone that's in New Jerusalem is the Lamb's bride. Amen. Let me move on. Sometimes what we believe will go against logic and reason. And sometimes in our stubbornness, we'll find ourselves there. Um, um, there, is a, there is a man that, um, oh, he, um, um, he found himself with a woman in his, in his church office. Uh, after services, continually, continually, continually. And uh, I went in there, and I said, Sir, you know, this is, in so many words, this don't look good. This needs to not happen. I said, you have somebody in there, that's one thing, you know, but to shut the door every time, I said, it raises a lot of questions. It looks bad, and I just, like, kind of went down the list. And he goes, oh, there's a window. And if you were to look at the window, it was like this big up here. So if, like, you, if you kind of reached up, you could kind of look in there because that was his justification. Just like a little kid that's totally caught doing whatever. And, and you'd be like, uh, uh, Adeline, why, why, did you, why did you hit Wyatt with a stick? And she'd be like, well, well Roman did it first. All of a sudden, our justification is totally out the window. I don't know if that happened, but it's probably going to happen after church now. Amen. Better watch out, Wyatt. Amen. But to believe that born-again believers are not the bride of Christ, your justification is forced to be that Jesus literally marries a plot of land. And I say that as kind as I could be, but I just can't get behind that. What, you know, when we read John 3.16, for God so loved the world... It's not talking about the dirt. It's talking about the people that are in the dirt. The angel, the, the angel is showing the bride, the people that are in New Jerusalem, not New Jerusalem itself. It seems so simple, but, but yet it's a thing that needs to be pointed out. So I mentioned this morning um, how that the Jewish custom for marriage was in two parts. You had the betrothal ceremony, then you had the marriage ceremony. But there's more to it than that. Um, at the betrothal ceremony, um, the, the bridegroom would always leave his new bride with something valuable, like a ring or a document stating that they're betrothed. Do you realize that we have something that was left here for us? Something real valuable. He's coming back. He gave us this to cling to in the meantime. Amen. We have a document of promise, but we also have a seal of promise from the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we read in the Old Testament how that God, he's claimed his people for his bride. We saw that in Isaiah. And of course, he was, it's clear that not to national Israel, but God married spiritual Israel. That's so important to understand so then you have the entire Old Testament uh, uh, that is awaiting the coming Messiah as the Lamb of God. Then John the Baptist comes on the scene as the official forerunner of Christ, paving the way by announcing his physical arrival. 
which seems kind of foreign to us, but that's what they would always do when the kings would come into town. They would always have this forerunner saying, I don't know what they'd say, but here comes the king, here comes the king, something along those lines. John the Baptist paves the way by announcing his physical arrival and also considering himself a, a, a friend of the bridegroom, kind of like a best man. And then Jesus comes on the scene announcing to the world officially that anyone and everyone who trusts in him, he never said from this point on, Jesus didn't die for the sins of the world from, from here on, you know, past, present, future, Amen. He comes on the scene. Everyone who trusts in him is invited to be part of an everlasting union between God and man. Which he leaves us with the complete word of God. And I'm so thankful for that. To remember the words of his promise. So remember in the Jewish custom, we we hit this hard this morning, how, how, how the bridegroom, he'd be betrothed to his wife and there'd be a marriage ceremony. And they're considered husband and wife at that point. Now, what is the husband's job to do? It's much like today where there's an engagement period. What is the man supposed to do during the engagement period? Getting things ready for the bride. We don't see that much anymore. That's just gone to the wayside. Usually because they got one thing on their mind. But what's the Lord doing? What's he doing right now? Preparing a place for new believers. A place called New Jerusalem. Who is the Lamb's wife? True Israel. Who is the bride of Christ? True Israel. Who is true Israel? Anyone who has ever put their trust in Christ. Anyone who has ever put their trust in the promise of the word of God. I touched on it at the end of the service this morning, but I'll hit it one more time. People have said that the that how could God marry the church <clears throat> when the church is the body of Christ? And that's, that's gross. That's sick. How could, you, how could you marry your own body? But the person who would say that would have to forget that, that, that when I married my bride, she, we became one flesh. She is my body. It's the same thing. She's my bride and my body. And man, I'm married up, by the way, in a big, big way. So don't ever take my advice. I would take Rachel's advice on all matters. Amen. You don't have to turn there, but Mark chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus really nails this. He says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. Where, what, therefore God had joined together, let not man put asunder. When I got saved, I became part of the body of Christ. And I also became part of the bride of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to um, one more scripture. And I didn't put it up there, but Ephesians chapter 5, 23. Rachel is my wife. We are one flesh in God's eyes. We're one body in God's eyes. There's no discrepancy to say that she is my body and she is my wife. It is not a problem. It's not gross. It's not icky. It's, it's how God intended it for it to be. We went all over all those verses this morning. Not even all of them, just many of them. 
talking about Paul describing the marriage and talking about the relationship of marriage and, and God and his people. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. The body of Christ and the bride of Christ are the same thing. And our relationship to Christ is likened throughout scripture is, man, we see an adoption. Grafted in like Mephibosheth, uh, absolutely unworthy Unrelated, yet adopted. With all the same benefits, amen. We see that we're, we're sons and daughters. We're born in the family of God through a spiritual birth. Like what God told Nicodemus in chapter 3. Spiritual birth. It's spiritual Israel. It's true Israel, not national Israel. National Israel has to get saved just like anybody else, no matter what nationality you are. So we see adoption, we see we're sons and daughters, we see by marriage. We're the Lamb's wife to be part of a future wedding ceremony in heaven. I had a, oh, I was in, I was in this morning's message. There's wedding songs, amen, that come to mind when I think of this. But we're born into the family of God, we're, we're adopted into the family of God, and we're espoused to be married into the family of God. I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that, that, that God makes his scripture pretty clear. I know there's things that take study. And God does that on purpose, I believe, so that we will take the time to really dig in and study to show that we want to know things. But there's so, there's plenty of things that God's really clear about. And I believe that there's doctrines out there that people only believe because they were told it. I got like 10 different doctrines in my head that just preachers will preach. But you're not, that's not really what Scripture says. Amen. Scripture doesn't say that New Jerusalem or the Lamb's wife is New Jerusalem. It's the people of God. And you got to jump over a whole lot of Scriptures to think otherwise. Yes, Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word and the power of it. Help us to glean from it. Lord, help me as a pastor to understand it help me to preach it uh lord just like you say it is help me lord to not add my commentary help me to not add what i heard from somebody else lord but let me lord help me to expound on the scriptures just what you want us to learn and nothing else i love you lord and i pray for the invitation in the next few moments in jesus name amen can we all stand and turn to page 468 without him 468